Hey everybody, you're listening to The Compod. An unfiltered look at life at Idaho's first medical school, as told by students, faculty, and staff. And we're your hosts, Dr. Sarah Davis, Stephanie Dillon, and Brian Atkinson. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Compod. Welcome back. Hi, we're, we're in it. We are in our, I'm going to go ahead and say that this has got to be like our third season. I'm going to call yes. this our third season. It's our third season. We're going we're gonna to bundle these uh, episodes that we're doing now into uh, season three. Um, oh. Uh, yeah. oh, is that news it, to you? Uh, right. I'm like, only three seasons? Really? Yeah. yeah. We've done it two so far. Right? They're what, they've been what, like six, eight episodes, something like that, yeah. that we've done in each season. Oh, and I know we did one with our inaugural class, because I remember some of our students from the... They were in their third year. Yeah. When we started. Yeah. What about when we did that women in medicine one? <gasps> That's a good point, mm-hmm. actually. Were they on campus at that point? Mm-hmm. So they I were just in their the second, second year. year. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Here so, we are reminiscing yeah. maybe about it's, maybe it's season four. the yeah, history maybe. of the compost. We're, just gonna have to double we're check. skipping three and just yeah. going straight to four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's okay. Yep. We had a strange year, you know, where everything kind of got paused. So <laughs> definitely. Yes. Well, I'm so excited that we have um, Dr. Matt Linton here with us. He serves as our Associate Dean of Academic Affairs here at ICOM. So welcome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and have this chance to chat. I'm new to ICOM, but uh, I've learned a lot in my last uh, four or five months here. How long? Oh, only four or five months? I feel like you've been here longer. Yeah, I got here in July. So yeah, something like that going on my fifth Yeah. Month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're so excited to have you as part of the team. And thanks for joining our little podcast party today. You bet. This is fun. <laughs> um, so we invited you because a question that we, well, not really a question, a request that we received um, from our podcast listeners was a deeper dive into all things academics, all things curriculum here at ICOM. So we thought, perfect. Now that we have Dr. Linton here, we can really get into the nitty gritty of what we have to offer in terms of curriculum. Yeah, no, it's a good good question. And students very much want to know yeah. what the curriculum of any medical school is, including yeah. ICOM. And it's not always an easy answer, but yeah. yeah. So let's just jump right into it. Let's start at the beginning, I guess, with the first year, what can a new student expect? Sure. Well, we at ICOM have what we call an integrated systems-based curriculum. And the idea of integrated, excuse me, is that you don't take pharmacology 7,000 here and anatomy 6,500 or whatever the number might be, but rather all of those disciplines are integrated into courses that are now wrapped around an organ system. That's the system-based part, an organ system, and then the integrated part is that those disciplines are integrated. And this sort of curriculum is not super novel. It's all over the country. Um, it's not universal at all medical schools, but it's pretty darn common at both the DO schools and MD schools. I think it works well because students like to sort of see the cardiovascular system from all the different sides at once so they Mm. get the pharmacology and the anatomy and the physiology versus if you have more of a discipline base then you're kind of just marching through pharmacology 7000 all year long and you're trying to connect what you learned last week for to something that maybe was two months ago and so for the students brains it works a little better so that's that's how we do it um we have a single pass systems-based curriculum which means we come by every organ system just one time. Mm. And it takes us the the full two years to do that. Now, 
those systems courses are sequential so that you never, the students never take two systems courses simultaneously. Oh, okay. So in the first so year- they're always focused on yeah. one system at yeah. a time. Yeah. And generally those are the courses that take up the most time of their precious time. But we don't want to discount how important the, what we call the longitudinal courses are. So mm. layered on top of those sequential systems courses are the longitudinal courses that span the entire semester. Our systems courses are anywhere between three weeks and seven weeks, I think is I think our longest might one. Be the yeah. longest, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so they're, they're never more than really two months at a time, but the, the longitudinal courses start really at the beginning of the semester, which for a first year would be really the last week of July and go all the way to the second week of December. And that includes osteopathic principles and practices. We are a DO school after all, so our students need to um, spend a lot of time learning osteopathic diagnosis, manipulation, philosophy, theory, and they do that in that longitudinal courses. We also have doctoring skills courses. We call that um, CMED here, or Principles of Clinical Medicine. And our students, that's also a longitudinal course. They're learning how to do a history and physical, um, how to do basic procedures, how mm. to look in ears and eyes and listen to heart sounds. And, and as part of that, they do um, frequent standardized patient experiences Yeah, where it's like a doctor's office, right? And you yep. go in there and you practice being a physician. Of course, the very first time they do that, they're kind of in a panic because <laughs> they really have no idea what to do. But pretty soon they get used to it. And I think they, that's one of their favorite things to do. And then there's some other courses that are longitudinal that are stacked on top of that as well. We have a care course, which is kind of more philosophy of being a physician mm -hmm. and, um, and some hands-on as well. Then we have some interprofessional education that's layered in there as well, um, a few other little courses. And then electives, which of course are completely optional, mm -hmm. but the students can take those as well. So they have to focus on those longitudinal courses the entire semester and then think for you know three to whatever it is seven weeks at a time through these systems courses and the, the curriculum is pulling them in all sorts of directions so they are always wondering what they should be focusing on the most and uh, they often triage which means they they decide what they think is the most important which is often not maybe the best judgment. So we try to show them <laughs> that you, you really can't ignore OPP and just focus on you know, your blood immune uh, infection and cancer course because they're all important. And uh, yeah. It's a balancing act. Um, I have a question. Are the longitudinal courses organized in a way that so that they're complementary to whatever system they're focusing on? And I'm looking at you, Dr. Davis, as oh, like okay. OMT. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the challenge with some of the courses is trying to deliver the curriculum in a way that makes sense mm -hmm. while at the same time trying to integrate um, into whatever system is occurring at that time. Um, so certainly that's something that I know they try and do in the CMED course, but there's some just basic fundamentals that you need to develop that it, it's just inherently asynchronous, oh, yeah, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and then of course with um, osteopathic principles and practice, it's, you know, a very musculoskeletal heavy course, but there is um, application to all systems of the body. So we try and um, integrate that with the system um, to the best of our ability. You know, for instance, they're in 
I don't even know what BIC stands for. It used to be bliss. Now it's BIC. Blood, immune, mm. infection, infection, and, and cancer. cancer. Oh. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it used to be blood lymph immune system. Anyway, we, we work on lymphatics in the OMM lab during this block. So and okay. then we'll, we'll try and integrate some case-based learning as well so that some of what they're doing in that course has some translation into clinical application. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Medical school classes are like death by acronym. Yeah. So, yeah. The so whole profession. When, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. When, when students first see our schedules and calendars, it's they don't even know because we have all right. the shorthand terms for everything, and it takes a little while for them to get up to speed on the the lingo like BIC and CMED and yeah. whatever yeah. it might be. So then, is anatomy longitudinal, or is there some kind of crossover, right? Because it, yeah. it becomes part of the systems-based learning also. Right? Yeah, anatomy is kind of unique, and thanks for bringing that up. It is longitudinal in the very first semester mm-hmm. of right. the first year. when they're in the lab. Yeah, so they, um, and different schools do it different ways. Uh, some will do it for the entire first year. Um, we might go to that sort of structure in the future. We're thinking about that, but for now, it's just fall of year one. And uh, so that's another pressure on their time. And they're in the anatomy lab. Of course, we have full cadaveric dissection. Mm -hmm. So they're starting out with cadavers that are just preserved. They're Mm -hmm. just, and they they do everything, cut them open and and use bone saws and all sorts of other wonderful things to learn the, the anatomy in a lot of detail. And that does integrate with some of the systems, but we can't do all of that because for example, in the spring of the first year, our first years finally get to neuro, which is, well, just like it sounds, all things neuro, brain, spinal cord, nerves. And well, we had to cover the anatomy of that in the fall. Mm. And so it's not, we can't uh quite integrate it all. And that's one reason why some schools try to do that anatomy over an entire year, but we just haven't um, done that yet here. Uh, pop quiz, what are all the systems? Oh, gosh. <laughs> pop quiz. <laughs> yeah, I, I have my iPad sitting you have a out here. I love it. You go to it. But, um, I mean, I won't go through every one, but we've got cardio, we've got respiratory, we've got gastrointestinal, we mm-hmm. have neuro. Some of these, like BIC, isn't it a true organ system? Mm-hmm. Blood, immune, infection, cancer. But those are topics that all kind of hang out together mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we have musculoskeletal, right. which, um, well, as it sounds, is lots of muscles and, and bones. And that very much integrates with mm-hmm. the OPP uh, right. that Dr. Davis uh, teaches. And they, they get to do that MSKS, another acronym there, um, in the fall of the first year. And renal. Is Reno, that another one? That's oh, another good. One. Wow. Yeah. Only no, because impressed. I know that that's when the students are the most stressed. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's renal, a stressful one. Renal yeah. is yeah. one of the, the more challenging courses. Um, they don't do renal until the second year. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, they just finished up with renal. Or the, yeah. Yeah, they, they just, did. They just right before Thanksgiving. That. Yeah. That's why mm-hmm. it was top yes. of mind. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's why there was a high level of stress here last yes. week. <laughs> I mean, talk to any physician and ask them about the physiology of the kidneys and they'll find themselves <laughs> they start sweating, memory. traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, actually, I realized I have a meeting I have to go to. Let's <laughs> we'll circle back to that question. <laughs> so then they have, they have a, um, uh, so they're in their first year, they're, they're working on these, working through these systems. And then once they get to their second year, they're just continuing to work through more and more systems. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 So they don't get to renal kidney, you know, everything until the second year which is kind of the way it has to be we would like to and we we do talk about kidney stuff in the first year but they don't get it in full 
uh, swing until that second year. And of course, we're talking about, you know, the pharmacology, the mm -hmm. physiology, mm -hmm. the anatomy, the histology, mm -hmm. which is the study of tissues. We do a little embryology. Embryology, of course, is how organs develop, organ systems develop and how organisms develop. Um, and a lot of that's taught by PhDs, but not all of it. We have plenty of physicians that are uh, part of those systems courses as well, especially, yeah. of course, the clinical applications. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that a lot of students are often surprised by is they think medical school is all physicians teaching them. And it's kind of half and half. Uh, PhDs really do have an important role. Um, they have kind of the space to have maybe a, a deeper understanding of some of these systems. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of physiology, I'm a physiologist. So I taught some uh, physiology in the kidney, in the renal system a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, having those PhDs kind of do some depth there. And then of course the clinicians, the physicians cover what you need to really do as a physician and often remind us PhDs, I don't think you need to teach that because that's not something they're necessarily going to be using hmm. in practice. Uh, but often we have to do a little bit more depth than the students want because they can't understand the clinical application if they don't understand kind of the underlying mechanisms mm -hmm. or the underlying yeah. anatomy. Sometimes students will say, well, I don't think we're probably ever going to need to know this nerve. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that might be true in some cases, but there's kind of always a method for to the madness. Like there's a reason why that nerve is being covered because it helps understand some pathologic process mm -hmm. or some complexity that mm -hmm. is going to come back in the future. Yeah, everything's kind of married together. Yeah. Looking back on your medical school experience, Dr. Davis, did you also go through like a systems based oh, no, curriculum? Was what was different. your experience like? Um, it was discipline based. Okay. So our first year was um, all the disciplines. We did have a traditional, you know, pharmacology. I remember being, so I went to school year round also. So it was different. Oh, okay. You know, I had exams every Monday, a high stakes exam every Monday. So where I come, oh, wow. we have the systems course, usually involving a midterm, um, depending on the length of the course, there may be one or two midterms. And then there's the exam week, which occurs at the end of the block where they're tested in They'll have their anatomy in the first year. They'll have their anatomy exam and practical. They have their OPP practical, their OPP written exam, their systems course exam. So it's a pretty intense week. Um, That's when the therapy dogs come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is when the therapy dogs arrive. Um, but my curriculum was set up differently where it was discipline-based. So there were some there was some slight overlap of courses, but they were generally about the same length, maybe six weeks in length. I think anatomy, gosh, it was a long time ago, um, did go most of the duration of, the, of my first year. Um, but again, I did farm in the summer. We had biochemistry. We had genetics. We had fizz. Um, Since you have experience with both, do you have a preference now? You know, it's it's. I think there's pluses and minuses, right? Someone could completely neglect one of these disciplines because they hate biochemistry. And so they could just <laughs> neglect that and still do okay in the course, right? Oh, but then okay. they've got a knowledge deficit there. But I think... Um, it allows students to see the application and the relevance of a biochemical pathway or a physiologic mechanism because then they can understand, okay, well, then that's how the pharmacology integrates. And then that pharmacology, because of its mechanism here on the physiology, is why we treat XYZ condition that they're learning about. So I think it does bring all of those pieces together where the students, I think, can see why it's all important. 
Um, so I think there's that benefit to doing a systems based curriculum. Yeah. Um, so again, I think there's I think there's pluses and minuses. But my first year was pretty much basic sciences, and then second year was basically pathology and then clinical application. I mean, in a perfect world, in a systems based curriculum, you'd have just like Dr. Davis said, you'd have a biochemist coming in and talking about maybe some biochemical pathway. The geneticist then explains how, well, if you have this mutation, then you lose this enzyme. And then you get a physiologist saying, with that enzyme now missing, you're not gonna be able to do this mechanism. And then you've got eventually an anatomist coming in and talking about it. And eventually the clinician says, oh, and without all those things, this is the disease we end up with. And this is the presentation. The pharmacologist then says, "Um, this is the drug we use to treat it. So there's that ability to sort of build one after another. Now, it never works quite that perfectly, <laughs> right. but we would hope, you know, I mean, for example, in when we talk about diabetes um, in our endocrine uh, system, there's just so much to talk about it. I mean, diabetes is one of the major chronic diseases worldwide, mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, type two diabetes in developed countries. And so there's a lot to talk about from the biochemistry to the genetics, to the clinical um, applications, to what drugs do we use? Uh, you know, what does insulin do if we're talking about the physiology? If you're talking about the anatomy, well, what does a pancreas look like? And what are the different cell types if you're a histologist? So mm-hmm. trying to put that all together in a perfect picture is challenging for our faculty, but they try. Yeah, and I think even diabetes is, um, actually, I give a lecture on the five models of osteopathic treatment, talk about the body being a unit, and diabetes is one of the conditions that I'll, you know, reference when I'm explaining this. It's, again, one of their first lectures, but um, no condition is exclusive to one system either, which I think is one of the complicating things, because you can have microvascular and macrovascular complications with diabetes that affect the neurologic system and the cardiovascular system, Uh, right? So uh it's like... yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so I think there's, you know, students will get a little bit of, you know, um, osteoporosis comes to mind because we talk about that in the MSK system, but it's really also something that we address again in the endocrine system. Um, So there is some spaced repetition in that regard. Just Um, making all those connections. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What advice, Dr. Linton, would you give to incoming students um, to ICOM in terms of how best to prepare or set themselves up for academic success? It's such a transition, I imagine, going from undergrad or grad school to medical school. For sure. Well, the most important skills you'll have in coming into medical school are perseverance, grit, capacity Mm. for hard work. Yeah. So every once in a while, I'll talk to a student that maybe is interviewing with us and saying, oh, I have an opportunity to take some classes in the spring or this summer just before I start medical school. Which one should I take? And usually I say, yeah, probably none of them. And, you know, go to the beach and enjoy some time and make sure you're mentally, emotionally, physically healthy and ready to hit the ground running. Now, of course, if you have an opportunity to get a master's degree in some sort of gap year and you've got energy, go for it. But, you know, finish your undergraduate requirements, finish the, the courses you need in order to be, you know, even accepted by ICOM, and then be ready to work hard. Uh, that that is can be more of a challenge than because we can usually teach deficits in knowledge and understanding. But if we have a student that maybe is having emotional challenges or something like that, that's much harder for us to work with. So, you know, we I always recommend to students, you know, if if you see a therapist, keep seeing your therapist and make sure you're in a good place so that you can put in a full effort because it's going to work you harder than probably anything you've ever done before. 
And um, those basic ideas of perseverance, grit, like I mentioned, um, you really cannot, you know, you can't have too much of those things. That's good advice coming, showing up with the full tank of gas, like yeah. ready to give it your all. Well, and, and moving to, you know, Meridian <laughs> more than the day before classes start, you know, getting here, if you can, a yeah. couple weeks early, no, you know, make a contact with a, a family physician uh, so that you have a place to go there and where are you going to get your groceries and where are you going to do your laundry? Because as soon as medical school starts, all of a sudden it's like, I don't have time to do to go shopping anymore. And if you've got some of those connections already, then you just feel a little more comfortable and you can put in those long hours that will be needed. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, um, I want to talk about some um, support services that we have on campus. Um, do, does your office work a lot with the learning specialists in terms of like referring students to help them develop good study habits or anything like that? We do a little bit of that. We At, at ICOM, all of our incoming students are assigned um, a, a, essentially an advisor, a faculty advisor. And those advisors should be meeting with those students like right out of the blocks, right when they start in the first year. Okay. And so a lot of those referrals are coming from those faculty advisors because they should mm. be tracking exam scores and grades. Gotcha. Okay. And of course, our learning specialists are also doing that as well. So a lot of that is happening almost automatically because if we see scores like, oh, that's not quite what we'd like, then there'll be an automatic referral um, an automatic email to a faculty member that should then then reach out. But yeah, certainly I've made those you know referrals myself, talking to a student that's you know thinking I'm not doing quite as well as I'd hoped, which is pretty much everybody in medical school, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> they realize how hard it is. Even though you know I tell them you're going to do this, hundreds of thousands have done this before you. It's very doable, but it's just going to be more than you think you can handle at first. And so when they perhaps don't do quite as well as they thought they would on that first exam, then uh, we get them down there with those learning specialists and often we can help them in their studying skills, time management, scheduling, uh, whatever it takes for them to, to have the, the horsepower to make it happen. Is there anything that you wanna add that we haven't talked about or any like frequent questions that, that you encounter? Well, the, when students enter, the first and almost only thing they think about are the boards. Yes. And we haven't uh -huh. really said anything about yes. the boards. Yes, yeah. the boards. So the step one, um, really for us, uh, level one boards happen at the end of the, of the second year. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the culmination of these two years of lots of book work, lots of lectures, small groups, lots of labs. That's kind of the culmination. And, and for the students, it's really the only thing that matters. For the faculty, we think of it more of like, well, it's, it's something that matters, but there's other things out there as well. I mean, we need to prepare you so you're clinically competent for third year where yep. you actually start seeing patients as a student doctor. And, uh, and those board exams, that uh, Comlex level one is what all DOs have to take, usually at the end of their second year, is a real, um, it's a real gate to let that student know, are they at the place they need to be? That uh, board exam is now pass-fail, so there are no longer a numerical score mm -hmm. given for that. And mm -hmm. if they pass, um, and almost all of our students do pass on the first attempt, then they march right into the third year where they start to do their clinical clerkships. If there's a challenge there in passing that, then we work with them um, to help them pass it. And then they take level two 
at the end of their third year? Usually, yeah, close okay. to the end of the third year. There's a little bit of scheduling changes that happen from person to person. They have some freedom, um, but usually close to the end of their third year is important because in that third year, they're doing all those clinical clerkships. They're with a family physician for a month, and then they're with a surgeon for a month, and then a pediatrician, and, and, and all of those topics you need to have some competence in those in order to pass that right. that, yeah. le that level two. And so it's mm -hmm. best to have gone through all of those clerkships um, because the level two is a little bit like level one, but much more clinically focused in terms of how to manage patients, um, a lot of more pharmacology, um, a lot more in terms of getting away from the basic biomedical sciences. And I'll put um, icon on ICOM's website, we list the pass rates for each of our cohorts. So I'll be sure to put that in the episode notes in case any of you listeners want to check out how we do in comparison to the national average, because um, the, the national average rates are also on our website. Um, one other question that just popped into my mind, Dr. Linton, for, um, for our systems curriculum or courses, um, do we give letter grades or is everything pass-fail? We have some courses that are pass-fail, but most of our courses, the systems courses, are A, B, C, or not pass. Gotcha, okay. So no pluses and minuses, though. Okay. So, um, a, you know, A is, and, and it's funny because some courses or some other schools will have pass, high pass, honors. Okay, yeah. And pass, uh -huh. high pass, honors is really the same thing as C, B, A. So oh, okay. if a student hears of like, oh, I heard this, this, this school has, you know, it has an honor system and then high pass and pass. Well, it's just another way of giving a, a student either a C, a B, or an A. Okay. Some schools have completely gone away and just do pass fail. And we have toyed with that. And it's something that we continue to consider. We want to do what's best for our students. But a lot of our students want to have those sort of higher grades, especially if they're looking mm. at more competitive specialties. And they want to be able, I don't want to just pass. <laughs> I want to get that honors, which in our case would be equivalent to an A, um, so that they can actually shine if they're trying to get maybe into a surgery, a surgery subspecialty or some other specialty that is a little more competitive. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you. Absolutely. My yeah. pleasure. Thanks so much for stopping yeah. by. And listeners, if you have any other uh, requests for podcast episodes, feel free to reach out to us. What's the email address, Brian? It is podcast at icom.edu. Perfect. And if you have any questions for Dr. Linton, um, you can send them through that email address and we'll get them over and maybe we'll answer them on a, another episode. Cool. <laughs> thank you. It's been Great. wonderful. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Bye. 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 The ComPod is proudly powered by ICOM and produced by Stephanie Dillon and me, Brian Atkinson. For more information about Idaho College of Osteopathic Medicine, check out our website at icom.edu. Thanks for listening.